0: If you would love to create a transformational and successful coaching business, but you don't know where to start or how to make this a full-time career, then my new certification program, Influential Coach, is for you. There is no other four-month live online mastermind like this. I am going all-in, guns blazing on this one with you to skyrocket your coaching career and personal brand online. You will learn the frameworks I personally use for rapid transformational coaching so you can support your clients to achieve their dreams no matter where they are in life. You will also learn how to authentically brand and market yourself as a coach so you can stand out from the rest and build a career of freedom and fulfillment. Spots are limited and this is an application only program. So if you're serious about finally committing to building a successful career in transformational coaching, then head over to slash coach and apply today. Welcome to the Addicted to Success podcast. I'm your host, Joel Brown, and I'm here today with MD Ansar Ali. Ansar is the founder of ThrivingInRelationships.com. He is an author, he is a certified therapist. He also is a relationship counselor and mental health coach. He studied for over a decade now in behavioral psychology, and he's worked with many, many people that are struggling with relationships, that are struggling with uh, lack of intimacy, infidelity, abuse, lack of compatibility, uh, physical appearance, addictions when it comes to porn, and a number of other things as well that a lot of people struggle with when it comes to relationships. So if this is something that you feel within yourself that you get to uh, overcome so that you can become more successful, so that you can experience more happiness and joy in your life, then make sure you get ready to take note. Ansar has some incredible insights in how we can better show up in relationships and how we can feel better about who we are as a male or a female in this world today so that we can strive for more success. Ansar, welcome to the podcast.
1: Awesome. Uh, Joel, thank you so much for inviting me to the podcast. Uh, it's really a pleasure to be here. And yeah, so in terms of happiness, I think the biggest reason why we are is we've lost innocence, we've lost purity, we've lost um, appreciation for just the basic things in life. Now, if you say you're 10, 11 years old, go all the way back to that period before there was internet to that period where as families and communities we grew our own food we weaved our own clothes we created the system to have fresh water right you're a 10 11 year old um son or a daughter and you've just worked hard in the garden with your mom and dad and it's come to that point where those strawberries that you've been eagerly attending to they're just about to come to fruition you're about to eat it but your mom or your father stops you say no no, hold on they'll be ready tomorrow and so you go to sleep you worked hard you have your bath and you go to sleep waiting tomorrow to come so you can taste those strawberries in the morning right you wake up or you go to sleep. Your circadian rhythm is good because you're following the natural system of the light and the night you wake up with the sun shining through the window, right? Your eyes start opening up. You think oh, new day, I can't wait to have the strawberries. You get out of bed, you wash your face with a bowl of water, which you've collected over the week, say from the rainwater or from the stream nearby. And you stop putting on your clothes. Finally, you put on that cashmere or that woolen or that 100% cotton jumper, which your mom knitted for you. Each of these conscious things that you do, you're associating and connecting with each thing that you did that day. You're aware, you're conscious. So you put that on and you go downstairs. And the first thing you do, you look at your mom and dad's face and they know what you want to do. And you know what you want to do, right? You go straight out in the garden and you start picking out those strawberries. You grab a bunch of them, you bring it back, you wash it with your mom, you start cutting it, you prepare it, you get into the bowl, right? And now you're about to take that first bite. You're so excited by it. This is just a strawberry, right? As you bite into it, it's not just the sweetness of the strawberries, it's the whole memories leading up to that strawberry ripening comes through that bite right that hard work that effort that you did yourself with your father with your mother those memories entwined together as you take that first bite right that feeling of it was my effort it was through me working with my family working with that community gaining that knowledge and taking that first bite and that's what makes that memory so amazing so memorable and it's just taking a bite of a strawberry, right? Now, fast forward into 10 years later. You've, throughout those 10 years, right, you've, say, admired a girl in the local community. You became friends, you know, you up together. You started having feelings for her. She started having feelings for you. And over time, you started bonding, right? There's no outside influence here. Remember this. You're, you're in your little world. Right, of those few people that you interact with and meet, this girl now, maybe the uh, furthest you went in in the dating base is kissing each other. Right, so there's there's some sexual chemistry there, there's arousal. And so you decide, because of your moral principle, because of your religious beliefs, that you're gonna hold off having sexual intercourse until marriage. Right, you wanna keep that purity. So now you're married, you've not had any external influence of what sex is what intercourse is no porn industry no uh, uh, you know education systems telling you this is what it should be and so you go into this marriage now really desiring this person and the only way you're going to consummate that is through the act of love right and so the first time after your marriage you're in front of each other, you're excited, you're afraid, you're in the state of discovering each other. You've never seen each other naked before. And so finally that night comes when you start to discover each other. Now, you don't know what it's supposed to be like. You don't have a pre-built expectation, right? That purity, that sense of innocence allows you to enjoy the first time of consummating that marriage first time having sexual intercourse at the most purest level there's nothing else that has ruined it you're now having to discover each other from the beginning like children and when you do that you don't have anything else to compare against and say oh it should be like this it should be like that she doesn't think oh he should have a bigger d she doesn't think oh um, uh, there was definitely a few guys that was better you don't have any Instagram models to compare against. You don't have any industry uh, poor, you know, adult industry imagery to say, "No, this is how you do it and no, this is how you, do it. you." You just figure it out. You enjoy each other as though you're on a discovery. And through that continuous discovery of each other, you pair bond, you connect, you create those deep connections through the endorphins, through the oxytocins, right? And that's how you start building long connections to each other for maintaining long-term relationships now contrast that to what we have today everything that we do is outsourced including our thoughts and so how can you be happy when you are not living as yourself you are not conscious of your own thoughts you're not conscious of your own choices but other than that we don't have that innocence that purity of Everything that we do each day, even breathing, we take it for granted. A lot of people, they don't know how to breathe properly, right? You're continuously breathing through your nose, in, out, in, out. But you're supposed to go, (sighs) when you go on to meditation, they teach you to breath control, right? When you are, even me and you now talking to each other, there's a way to tap into each other's frequency without even understanding what you're saying and what I'm saying. And that requires you to just completely just focus on the face of that individual and just keep listening to their voice, to their rhythm, to their words. And eventually the words disappear and you'll find that you're just connecting to this person on a, uh, on a um, energy level. And we know scientifically everything in the universe is energy. It just vibrates at a different level, right? And so yeah. the thoughts are energy as well. And so in this way, connections are done in a deeper level, but... Today we might we go into conversations not to hear or see that person, but to get in what we can first. I want to say about me. I want to talk about me, right? Me, 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 me. And so we lose just that basic sense of connection just there. If you are eating your food, right? How I mean, how can I ask you? How often do you go out to eat a meal?
0: Oh, I get my food delivered here. <laughs> uh, I'll so, probably go out at nighttime, but, but I get my food delivered a couple of times. Yeah, maybe three times a day I'm, I'm ordering from somewhere or eating, yeah.
1: Okay, so let me tell you this then. I learned to cook back when I was uh, in 2002. So I, I got fed up of going and um, just ordering outside food. I was in my university at the time and I went to my mom. I said, mom, I'm sick of that food. I need to learn how to cook. She's like, oh, your, your, your sister is the one that should be learning how to cook. Why don't you? And we I come from a traditional Bangladeshi family. And so it's usually the, the women that are supposed to. Be. I said, I don't care about her. I want to learn how to cook. And so that's when my learning of cooking started. I started practicing. And here's one of the main things that we don't have today. People don't know how to cook their own food. Or they say, I don't have the time. I'm not willing to. Now, those... Times that you are eating outside now remember everything is energy right your thoughts are energy that chef that is continuously in that stressed environment he or she is preparing that food for you on a daily basis if that person has had a stressful day if their personal life isn't too great and they're preparing that food chopping that food for you what's the energy that's going into that food the spiritual energy The thoughts, is it positive? Is it negative? Is it stressful? And now you, outside, externally, you're eating that food. Yeah, it tastes great, blah, blah, blah. But internally, what is it doing to your spiritual energy? What is it doing to your mind? What is it doing to your thoughts? What is it doing to just how you are? If that person there is preparing the food, is depressed, is anxious, is unhappy, is in a negative vibe and mood, that energy is being absorbed into the food that is being prepared. And this is why so many dieticians say, and fitness people say, cook, make your own food, prepare your own food. And this is what we used to do in the past, the basic skills of survival, right? Today, we've lost that as well. So happiness is going back to the root of purity, of consciousness, of awareness, right? Tasting those first experiences without external sources saying this is how it should be this is what you should do and you know that that brings us to that religious aspect we've now focused on building relationships based on unhealthy standards led by media taught by instagram memes and quotes this is what it should be this is what it should be right but have you really grown up in a nuclear family where you've had a good example from your mother and father from your grandparents of what a healthy relationship really is. Most people have lost that as well. Absolutely.
0: Absolutely. It's almost like, you know, I hear this a lot, like, oh, they're traditional ways of doing things. We do it differently now. And, uh, it's, it's like, well, why do you think we used to do things like this? Like, there's a saying, I think it might've been, uh, who was it? It was, uh, a famous philosopher, I can't remember his name right now, but he says that you know when you show up to a fence, you walk up to it, one, one type of mindset would say, there's a fence here, we need to remove it, let's, let's tear it down. And then the other mindset would say, well, wait a minute, why is the fence here in the first place? And we live in a culture right now where we're so quick to just cancel everything, cancel this, cancel that, tear it down, we don't like it it hurts my feelings instead of looking at like, why is it here? Are you noticing this as well? Is this having an, a big impact? Like sometimes people don't feel it. It could be subtle, but it's like, it feels like it's amplifying in culture right now.
1: It used to be subtle, um, but it's, it's so apparent now. It's, we've reached a point in society of emotionalism versus empiricalism, right? And empiricalism is data. It's fact. It mm. is what is funny because the whole industries, are, you know whether it's the um, music industry, food industry, whatever, they're all based on human behavior and psychology. The only reason they are able to be as successful as they are is because of those datas, because of those facts. They've been able to collectively put those data together and create predictive frameworks in how humans behave. And we have a society where now it's predominantly gynocentric, right? It's a feminine imperative-based society. And the proof of that is the highest consumers who hire spenders are women, almost 70%. They have the spending power. And even when they're not directly spending, they influence the spending of those that they're with. So it only makes sense that the industries that we have today are going to focus on the feminine feminine needs and the feminine and the feminine itself is based on emotionalism it's based on context as opposed to content what how does this make me feel instead of is this factual is it true and the the more i mean a lot of the content that i put up on my instagram or twitter is for me to share with people like look this is the change that's happened this is how it's it's going right as we continue to ignore traditionalism and you know you're talking about the idea that people complain about traditionalism being out of date um your evolutionary needs who you are as a human being innately those haven't changed and funnily enough if they did change why aren't men complaining about wanting to become non-traditional because as men, that responsibility hasn't changed. We still have to be providers, protectors, and parental invested. And women say, that's the kind of man we want. But then they say, we want to be strong and independent as well. We want to be equal partnership. You can't have it both. You can't say, I want traditionalism, and then I don't want traditionalism at the same time. Now what is happening is you are being dubious, but also you're being inconsistent in what you want. And it goes back to that idea of purity, right? Of being genuine, consciously being aware that wait a minute, if this is what I want in somebody else, then it only makes sense that they want that in me also. And how do I? How do we compromise? How do we, uh, you know, sacrifice to an element where we're able to do that? In the past, true patri- patriarchy. And I What I say? What do I say? True patriarchy, because true patriarchy is different to the patriarchy that is perceived today. What we've been indoctrinated about. What it did was through the help of religion, culture, and our traditional evolutionary needs, it helped to regulate our sexuality. And in doing so, it allowed both the genders, both the sexes to come together, right? And form a bond. And what it did was it allowed human beings to, for the men and the women to sacrifice the short-term mating strategy in order for the long-term outcome one to come to fruition. And today, what gynocentrism, or you could say uh, feminist ideology since the 1970s, through you know, Helen Gurley Brown and a few others, what they're able to do is open up a gateway whereby the... Like, what patriarchy did in the past, it, it predominantly suppressed the female short-term strategy. The hypergamy strategy well females have a what we call hypergamy in their mating strategy in that they try to keep optimizing innately instinctively and rightly so because of their survival they try to keep optimizing their need for the ideal guy now the ideal guy in reality doesn't exist right an ideal guy <laughs> is this he's the perfect uh, genetically maximized optimized guy right very masculine, very hot, the Chad, the, you know, the Brad, the Tyrone, right? He's that guy, but he's also soft, caring, loving, compassionate. So you have opposing masculine and feminine traits. A woman wants Frankenstein's monster, basically, who doesn't exist, right? And so she's continuously on the hunt for this guy. And uh, a series and books like... Um, um, 50 Shades of Grey, um, 365 DNI, they monopolize on this innate need of women. And hence why these, these series are so successful. You know, um, the, um, the Grey series, that, w- that was self published. They didn't yeah. even promote. And it, it, yeah. millions in sales. Why? Because it hit at the core of women's existential fear.
0: I'll tell you what, Answer. That movie used to trigger me. To the high heavens whenever my girl would watch it i'm just she's like come and watch it and i would watch like i would see like maybe half of it or, or a third of it and i'm like i don't like this movie and she was like why why is it triggering you and i you know i don't mind my triggers It's good it shows us uh the aspects of ourselves and, and and also what we make things mean and, me I, and i said to her money. well i said i mean look man i said to her i said look what it, to me the reason why it frustrates me is because they create this character of this guy who's like a billionaire. He's got all the time to have sex with his girl. He's got, you know, like she like bows down to him because she's just like so enamored. And a lot of it to me just feels fantasy driven. If it was realistic and a woman was all about the guy, I'd be like, yeah, for sure. Go for it, mate. Like good on you. But that's not the case. It's like almost setting women up to to fail and have these incredibly high expectations. And then I started to think, man, if my girl buys into this, it's going to bring problems to our relationship and my life. Like she's going to have warped, you know, expectations. And she hasn't. She's great. But but like for me, I was like, man, imagine how many other dudes out there are feeling the heat of this. And not only that, it starts to leak into society. And then there starts to set this new tone of like, we expect this. And, and it just becomes this like bar that no one can I mean, ever I it really already hit.
1: has, really. It already has. You, you can yeah. see by women's demands even just go on you know, any courts
0: and, and, and men's demands too, bro, for sure. Like I've seen it from the other side too. You know, I've coached a lot of women and see yeah. the setup from that side. And and obviously we're choosing to play in that space too. You can always opt out of it, right? That's the yeah. key. When it comes yeah. to hypergamy, I wanted to ask this, man, because this is something that came up and I, and I remember this breakdown of like this tree and it's called the hypergamy tree. And basically on this tree, it says that, um, it's a saying and I don't really know where it came from or or like sometimes some people uh, have shared with me in the past and said, yeah, I've heard of this uh, statement of of, uh, referring to a woman as a branch swinger. And I was like, well, what's that? And so it was broken down to me. It's like swinging up the branches to get to a higher spot. And I was like, wow, this is interesting. And I love psychology. So I broke it down with this relationship coach at one point, and we're going into like, what is it that, that women on an unconscious level that are looking for more in life, that don't feel like they're grounded or they're, they're appreciating where they're at? What are they looking for more of? And what it came down to was these three points. And I'd love for you to clarify this, maybe even expand. The three things were uh, that the they wanted a man that had money. So wealth was important, right? If you're looking at a tree, a homeless person will be down at the trunk or at the roots of the tree. They're not up in the treetops, right? The second thing is uh, health. They want a guy that can uh, like live long enough to make sure they can protect the family because a woman doesn't want to have to protect the family because the, the, the husband has passed away. And then the third thing is network. Having that this guy has a, a good solid network of friends and can be resourceful if anything ever happens. It sounds like it comes back to safety and protection.
1: It does. And um, all those three are directly in link with what I call um, the three P's, which is protection, provision, parental investment. So women's hypergamy is, as I said, optimizing two sides. Men and women have a short-term mating strategy and a long-term mating strategy. The short-term mating strategy of women is to extract as many resources and as much as she can In the period of her sexual peak and that's usually based on the studies is based around from 18 to say 29 28 that's when she usually starts getting a bit more panicked and saying okay i need to find a guy to settle down with i need to start having they call it at the time it's a period of some classic as epiphany uh, phase the wall uh, baby rabies whatever it is but she consciously becomes aware you know my clock is ticking if i want kids I need to find guy. So op- prior to that point, a woman will use her short-term mating strategy. Um, what Rola uh, Tomasi from the Rational Male he calls it um, party years. So this is when usually the woman is experimenting. She's usually playing on her sexual genuine sexual desire, and at that period she will use her sexuality, her sexual agency to be able to get. And collect as many resources those resources can be protection from a alpha dude, guy it can be um, gifts being given uh, through admiration it can be friend zoning of guys that are beta or feminine uh, that she gets validation from and anytime so women tend to have a cohort of men that are continuously chasing them as opposed to men having women. And so they maximize and monopolize on that attention by extracting different types of resources. Now, not every woman, we're going I'm going to clear this. Nothing is every woman or every man. Okay. There's always exceptions, <laughs> right? Come and yourself, <laughs> yeah, and uh, depending on, uh, you know, what culture, what religion, which side of the world you're in, and they'll vary, but that doesn't mean to say that men and women don't have an innate framework and pattern of behaviors. We do. And because of that, we're able to, uh, we, we're the consumers, right? The industries, they create products and services based on those innate dispositions. So when that woman then reaches that point, that epiphany phase, she is looking to get the three Ps the protection, the provision and the parental investment. And that's when she wants the other side of the hypergamy, the provider side, to be fulfilled. And that's when she looks for a guy with wealth, health, and community. Community is status, protection, right? Because if she can inherit those three, it is enough for her to survive till the end of her life and to raise children at the most optimum level that she can. So, it's part of her survival mechanism. The hypergamy is something that is continuous in a woman. So, yeah. when she is with a man in her relationship, every day she's gonna, that hypergamy is gonna ask that. It's called the hypergamous doubt. She's gonna ask, Is he the best I can do? Yeah. Right? Yeah. And if for that day she sees you as the man that is the best she can do, then she's happy and content. She feels good. She huh. feels fulfilled in that relationship. She feels that. She's got the best guy she can to her capacity and she's willing to and she'll respect, admire and follow your lead. Yeah. At any point where she doesn't feel that that doubt starts creeping in it is directly linked to her existential fear. Men have an existential fear and women have one, they're different. Women's existential fear is to be settling down with an inferior male that Mm. has low quality genetics, that means From our evolutionary past that means the chance of that child surviving is going to be lower right Uh, a male that isn't really that good at providing is not very strong and masculine hence why she can get attacked she doesn't have protection right you're in the bed at night in the night midnight you hear a bit of a sound downstairs who goes down usually yes i know we're in a modern society and women want 50 50 but women don't go down usually it's the male that has to go down to check what the noise was, right? So even in those circumstances, when it comes to it, women still women are the vulnerable sex, right? I don't say weak, I say vulnerable. And it has shown throughout history, men have always been the disposable sex, right? We've all been put out at the front as fodder to protect the women and children. Mm. And, uh, and the, the, Russian, the Russian and the Ukrainian is a perfect example. The only people that were allowed to leave were women and children, men from 18 to 50 had to stay to fight the war right Right. so all those strong independent women and all those uh women that are following the feminine imperative and we don't need no man why didn't you stay behind and support if you if that was the case so at this moment now suddenly when reality kicks we go back to traditionalism right so so answer let's
0: let's drop into this because i think there's probably uh women and men sitting on the side now going okay this is what women are looking for. And if a woman is experiencing this from a partner or a potential partner, then they're going to be relatively happy, right? Yeah. Obviously, you've got to meet happiness in yourself too, but this when it, when it comes to relationships. Uh, what about the men? What are they looking for? Is there like a... You've got the hypergamy yeah. tree for women. Is there some yeah, other yeah. example of something okay. for men?
1: Men's existential fear is not being able to pass on his genes, right? The masculine imperative is I need to survive my genes, legacy. So if a man is with a woman that is not able to provide him that legacy, his, his fear of not surviving his genetic line starts creeping in. This is why men find promiscuous women women that are low in purity in long term relationships they find that repulsive they don't they don't desire women that are promiscuous hence why you can speak to any guy uh, so many polls and uh, data statistics have been done where men say that they will have a casual hookup with a woman say who's a, who has an only fan or works has worked in the previously in the porn industry but they'll never marry her so why is that because men's Short-term sexual strategy is to spread the seed. It's the quantity function, which is I can't uh, specifically pick out the one woman or two women that I want in that short period of time. So the best way is just maximize that. And so today, for men and for women, because of that gynotentric society, we've abandoned the long-term ones and we focus on the short-term ones. Whereas in the past, we abandoned the short-term strategies and we actually took on the long-term ones, hence why we exist. If Now look at this, women's hypergamy is to maximize right, the best man possible, men's is to find a woman that can hold a legacy. So what happens in a society where you have both abandoning the long-term strategy, because long-term strategy requires sacrificing on both ends. What what do you get? You get people who are continuously driven by sexual desire, right? And so women say, we can choose who we want now. Who are they choosing? They're choosing the men at the top level of men, the top 20%. And so the 80% of the average guys, they got nothing. What the true patriarchy allowed to do was focus on the majority's needs. Another top five, 10, 20%. But women are free to choose who they want. And they are choosing or desiring that um, Christian Grey. <laughs> and because of Christian Grey, most of men are failing to find women that want them. Tinder, uh, you know, studies by OKCupid and Tinder, this shows it clearly. Women say on average, they find, uh, uh, they, um, they swipe right to 4 to 5% of men's profiles. And on the 4 to 5%, so, what's happened to the rest of them? Women find most guys, they say that they're below uh, average attractiveness. They're not so even attractive.
0: Women are becoming more picky and men are becoming more uh, like short term thinkers. Yes. It would be fair to say that's that. Exactly what's
1: happening. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Because but that. That, but that, that's, what's, that's what's occurred because of the natural um, choices we are making as men and women. What's happening? Women are specifically choosing certain types of guys, and those certain types of guys have a lot of options. If you're, if you're somebody who's in, let's say, top 10% of men, and 99% of women want you, your choices are infinite. So, of course, that guy is going to maximize his short term strategy. I have the means, I have the attention, I have the options. Why well, wouldn't I? Especially when you have a, a governing law or society which helps to support w- uh, women's uh, uh, imperative in terms of divorce. The marriage nowadays is not worth it for many men because of the divorce rates, because of the initiation rate. On average, women initiate divorce in the US between 70 to 80% of the time. And in the UK, around 60 to 65%. So that's like uh, trusting all your life, you go to an edge cliff and you're living on an edge of what, what, you know, what, what happens here. Am I going to fall down or am I not going to fall down, right? Uh, imagine you jumping out of an airplane with, with a parachute, right? That may or may not work 50% of the time. That's how <laughs> men are having to go into marriage now because of that divorce. Yeah. And that's too much of a high risk. Dude. Right. So Then you have those percentage of the larger percentage of men who can't get sexual access through women. What do they do? They divert the attention to the porn industry and the porn industry is monopolized on that because of something called the triple A engine. Anonymity, affordability and access. And men want unlimited sexuality, uh, unlimited access to unlimited sexuality. That's their uh, evolutionary imperative. Yeah, And yeah. when you monopolize on that, you have a society addicted to porn industries. Even within marriages, what happens uh, eventually when the regular level of sex... When men go into marriage, the t- t- main reason that they commit is sex. And it's not sex for the, just for the pleasure, but sex for legacy. The only time a man is saying, I'm, gonna, I'm willing to sacrifice all my short-term strategy... And the chance of having so many children that I can, you know, make sure, ensure my legacy is finding a woman that I'm willing to sacrifice all that for as long as I can have certainty of paternity. Yeah. That this woman will not be disloyal. This woman will not give me what what we call scientific term uh, parental discrepancy. Right. That's when it all goes into sperm competition, where a woman, she... Uh, we know, on average, based on studies, it is a bit of a wide average. But you have between three percent to almost twenty percent of parental discrepancy. This is when a woman she is she has her main man, main male in uh, in uh, in pair male, and then she will have, uh, you know be um, um, have an affair. She, she she'll should be into infidelity and what we should do is she will have sexual intercourse with an extra pair male another male outside of the marriage within the t- time period that she had sex with with her main male so that there's an overlap and the sperm competition is the human body is amazing Joel the more you study it right yeah instinctively the f- the female reproductive organ and the process its It differentiates between a low-quality sperm and a high-quality sperm. So sperm competition comes in and it only allows the best genetic possible uh, sperm to come through and impregnate her. So what happens is parental discrepancy occurs. So that child is born and the man may be unaware. By law, the husband uh, uh, cannot be informed if the child is not his Say, uh, for whatever reason, they, you know, they might doing blood tests and uh, these kind of things, and they find out the child is not the guy's. The reason being is, he will lose his shit, and he will end up hurting that woman. Because yeah. it goes directly into our men's existential fear. What? The child isn't mine? I've, I've sacrificed myself. I've sacrificed my legacy, uh, my short-term strategy to commit to you, and now I find out this child isn't mine. Yeah. No, that can't be. But we have a society where now that they're trying to make um, raising another child, another legacy of another man, um, as though you're a hero, it's being honored, right? Uh, you're not the stepdad; you're the dad that stepped up. But that's playing into problems of our innate desires. When a man is giving all of his resources, energy, time, and yeah. effort. And eventually what happens, is it will come into a point of diminishing returns. Yeah. See, when yeah. when women go, uh, when women and men go into a relationship, there has to be this continuous uh, return on investment, right? The human capital, they call it. So when a woman goes in, she, the longer she spends her time with the man, she's getting more of what she wants, which is security, safety, uh, um, pair bonding, deeper connections, love, affection. So... It's increasing for her. For a man, the, one of the main things that he goes in for is regular sex. Is I don't have to worry about continuously approaching a new woman, making all that effort, seducing her, and everything else to get that sexual access. I have a woman who I'm committed to, who she loves me, and there's no reason why she should deny that for me. But statistics show clearly that after sex, almost eighty percent of marriages reduce in that sexual uh um, frequency yeah. and one of the reasons that is is due to familiarity see familiarity is when you become similar too similar when you when it's what that progressive marriage that people are looking for today right we want to become uh, we want to we want to finish each other's sentences off <laughs> we want to be so, so uh, you're my best friend that i married but yeah. the problem with that is familiarity, yes, is great for happiness and great for connecting with each other, but it reduces arousal, sexuality. It reduces sexual polarity because sexual polarity only occurs when there's differences in each other, the feminine against the masculine, the strong against the dominant yeah. against the submissive.
0: Yeah. Well, hey man, there's a lot of people that listen to this addicted to success podcast where uh, they've shared with me just in the community that they've wanted a partner that's an entrepreneur like them. And I asked the question, are you sure that that's what you really want? Like, is that the dynamic you would want? Because I think sometimes the idea sounds like it could work better than what actually happens in reality. And that's not to say that that can't happen. And I have a lot of friends that are entrepreneurial. They, they do great. It's just you got to consider that there's a lot of moving parts to this. And it's funny because you're talking about these statistics like so objectively. And there could be somebody on the other end of the line right now listening that feels like emotionally triggered by some of these points. But, hey, look, it's its weighing up, you know. Ansar has uh, combined a decade of experience studying behavioral psychology and a number of other aspects of psychology and, and working with couples and, and, and singles, you know, navigating the relationship scape. And over time, you would see these patterns, wouldn't you, bro? So, yeah, yeah it's, it's uh-huh. something that we get to consider, man. One more thing I want to ask before we wrap up, because I think it's a really important point. Um, we have a lot of high achievers here on this call, you know, men and women. You know, women that sometimes may feel like they're uh they're in this like masculine energy pattern and, and they, they voice it a lot actually to me that they wanna be able to move into some of that feminine energy too and uh vice versa. Men that are just hardcore you know, foot to the floor and never know how to tap into the feminine. So is there anything that we can do, any sort of exercises or anything we can become aware of to just balance out the energy within us a little bit more and just become more of in mastery of the energy so we're not feeling like it's out of control?
1: The masculine and the feminine energy, is it's not – its see, what happens is you've developed that over a long period of time right? And it started off with your childhood experiences, right? It started off with your fears. So what I would say, the starting point would be to start looking at those fears that you have. One of the main reasons why women go into the masculine is because of fears, fears that she will not have those three Ps, security, safety, and parental investment, right? And that's what the modern women are after of course they still have their own goals and ambitions there's nothing wrong with that but the statistics are the statistics right you can desire and want all these things and yes there's always exceptions to the rules but there's always going to be a compromise if you want all that success you become as women you become the man that you want to marry if if you if you're the provide, provider you're the protector and you're the uh, parental invested, what's there left for the man to do in his traditional role as the masculine? Because the masculine role is to protect, especially when he manifests in the positive, is to protect, is to provide, right, and is to parental invest. In the negative, obviously, it has its own other consequences. That's when the dark triad and the light triad thing comes in. Um, as men, when you say you want to be uh, you want to understand your women. You have to understand each other, each other's nature for who we are, right? A lot, What we're trying to do in society now is we're wanting the, our spouse, our partner to be something that they are not. And that's what the problem is. You're having false expectations. You're creating false expectations of what they should be based on your idea of what a woman should be. And based on your idea of what a man should be, as opposed to what a man and women really like. And that's what, like, my first book uh, is about. The first book is about female nature, understanding how women operate, why they think, why they desire those things that they do. And my second book, which I'm working on, is going to be for the women, right? It's focused on why men behave the way they do and what motivates them in relationships, why they look to cheat, why they look to... Because even... The the percentage is amazing. 56% of men say they are happy or very happy in their relationship and they still cheat. 31 or 32% of women are happy and very happy in their relationship and they still cheat. And why is that? It's because of that dynamic within the relationship between happiness, uh, love, deep connections versus sexual arousal, which is being missed. So start on your fears. Start removing each fears that is making you put up those walls and those defense mechanisms that make you fall into the um, let's say the unnatural energy that you are born for. And the feminine yeah. and the masculine they 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 f- complete each other, yeah. right? They're complementary yeah. opposites. So when you're trying to get two masculines together, two feminines together, you have problems, right? And studies show that uh, lesbian couples, they have far less uh, sex um, uh, male gay couples. And why is that? Because females tend to choose based on soft traits, right? How similar is he to me? How nice uh, is he? How, How caring will he be? And so when you have two women coming together, they both are very similar. And because of that similarity and that familiarity, the sexual arousal drops. There's no difference. Uh, But that problem isn't so much so in male gay couples. And so that is further proof of the fact that, you know, there is that need for a balance between the masculine and the feminine within roles, within relationships, which goes back to our traditional roots. So traditional stuff worked, but obviously we could work on a few things that allowed, you know, us to improve on those things. But the way we are heading towards society now the results speak for themselves. Highest ever yeah. divorce rates. Women in the in their thirties. Lowest in a child ch- child childless women in thirties at its most epic high. Yeah. Uh, highest levels of you know uh, breakups and initiations by females and more and more. Um, so if 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 modernization and if modern system and all this blank slate we all same and partner partner stuff is working, where's the results to show for it?
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like we've thrown the baby out with the bathwater, right? We don't want exactly. this other way of doing it. And so we threw everything out and it's like, wait a minute, we need some of those things in there, right? Yeah. That's brother, exactly. this is awesome, man. You you just dropped so much value and knowledge. And uh, look, if you're listening right now and you want to be able to have more of a successful life, I think uh, today Ansar really just dropped in some really important insights that we can start noticing and becoming aware of, Just that final point that you made about going and attending to the fears. One of the things that I could say was when I worked on my attachment style, which was anxious attachment from childhood that I developed, I stopped attracting um, women that were dismissive and therefore I became more secure attached. And you just start attracting a different type of person, you know? So if you're in this relationship dating space, maybe even in a relationship and there's that turmoil, get to check in and see, you know, what what, what are my expectations when it comes to relating to others? And uh, there's some things here I get to heal. And brother, I know you do that. So look, if anybody here that's listening really resonated with what uh, Ansar was sharing, then make sure you contact Ansar. Also go to Thriving. In relationships.com. You can check out Ansa's book on there. Uh, Ansar also has an Instagram. It's the M-D, Ansar, that's A-N-S-A-R-A-L-I, Ansar Ali, all right? So check it out. I follow Ansar's content. I freaking love it. It's awesome. I take screenshots a lot of your uh, Insta stories, bro. You share really cool statistics that actually enlightens me a lot when it comes to the female and male um, ways that we relate. And I also consider these aspects of having a uh, successful relationship and a successful life, because I think if we're happy in our relationships... We're happy within who we are and how we navigate in that space. It does tend to ooze into other areas of our life. There's like a ripple effect, right? Yeah, Yeah,
1: yeah. Who you are doesn't change. Once you know who you are, you don't change in whichever environment you're in. The problem is people are different in every environment. We don't know who we are. We haven't been able to consciously identify our true self. And in doing that, we're all over the place.
0: Yeah, that's it. Brother, last question before we wrap up. Uh, If you were to deliver your last 30-second speech to the world, what would that last 30 seconds sound like?
1: Create a balance for yourself in the four areas, right? What I call the pies of life, physical, intellectual, emotional, and spiritual. That balance requires calibrating daily. Okay. A day you might feel spiritually low, increase on that side. A day you might feel physically more in need, increase on that side. It's about calibrating yourself through understanding who you are.